This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Kubrider Show. Wonderful Tuesday coming to you here. Very excited to be with you. As always, if you want to reach out to the show, email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. Yesterday, I, I went at length talking about this Mac Brown outgoing GOP chairman interview. And there was a point in there I... I don't think I fully made, and, and I realized this as I was talking with my wife about this particular issue. I know, very exciting marriage we have where my wife gets regaled about politics most of the day, but she is my best friend, so it is who I get to talk to. And, you know, one of the points I, I think Mac Brown talked about, division, division in the Republican Party and how we have to come together as a party. But I... I think what really my takeaway was from his interview is we we know that he supports the funding, continued funding of the Ukraine war. Uh, we know that he uh, support is not pro-life. He doesn't hold pro-life stances. He wants the Republican Party to be a less pro-life party. Uh, we also know that he doesn't like Trump and thinks the party should move on from Trump. Three very distinct Policy positions on major issues, you know, Trump, major issue, Ukraine, more big issue. And of course, murdering babies, big issue, giant issues. And yet he disagrees with not just the vast majority of the electorate on those issues. But when you combine all those together, three major issues, some are core to the Republican Party now, especially pro-life. When you combine all those three together and you look at the Venn diagram of who agrees, you realize Mac Brown holds viewpoints that only maybe 10 to 15 percent of the Republican Party holds. And then with that in mind, you don't really have to wonder all that much about why there is so much division in the Kentucky Republican Party right now. Because the people, the, the, the people themselves are not divided. You, the voter, isn't divided. Almost every single voter I talk to holds the same exact belief points because they see the folly of the liberal mindset. They see the folly of liberal beliefs on these issues. And they also see the, the conclusion of these. You know, time for moderation is kind of over. We've got a crippling country. We'll talk about that here later on today. 
And so we want to see a push forward on important things. Stop sending our money overseas. Let's get our spending under control. You know, a conservative viewpoint is supposed to be, of course, lower government spending. Let's not murder babies. That's pretty basic and simple. And by the way, when we look at your, your run-of-the-mill politicians, we see nothing but empty promises and an inability to understand where we are. And when the conservative voter looks at Trump, they see something different. And they also, the general voter is starting to see that, well, maybe I don't like how brash Trump is, but maybe that's exactly what we need on the world stage in order to see our country in a better position economically, as well as involved in foreign entanglements, having somebody like Trump at the helm makes a lot of sense. But Mac Brown doesn't believe that way because he wants business as usual, but it's Republican business as usual that's led us to this point. And that's why the electorate as a whole, Republican electorate, doesn't agree with him. And he knows they don't, of course, because when it rubber meets the road, when it's time to get those establishment Republicans into office, they will message to us on all the very things that they know we agree with, even though they actually hold different viewpoints. So my point is this. Mac Brown cares about division of the Republican Party. The establishment Republicans lament about how people like me and probably you don't uh, agree with them and how that's somehow going to create division and loss and the Democrats to grab control, but they're missing the point. There's no use in Republicans having control if they're not going to do conservative things. And when those who are in power have viewpoints that don't represent the conservatives that put them there, well, of course, there's going to be division. There's going to be, and there's no way to overcome that. I just wanted to get that point out. There. I want to forward that point and make sure that was driven home and completely clear. As I said at the top, if you want to reach out to the Republican Party, no, I'm sorry, not the Republican Party. If you want to reach out to me, the show here, you can email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. You can catch the Andrew Cooperwriter Show Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. on WZXI. That's 94.1 FM, 95.5 FM, and 1280. Now, if you can't seem to find uh, those stations, you're outside the listening area of those stations. Take no fear. Um, we have absolutely the ability for you to stream that at 9 a.m. Go on to the andrewshow.com website. That's the andrewshow.com website and go ahead and, and listen there. You can also catch this show Monday through Friday at 1 p.m. on all major podcasting platforms as well as Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, and Twitter, of course. And if you're listening on major podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, iHeart, and many, many others, make sure if you can, you leave a review. And above all else, please be telling others to tune in and watch the show. What we cover here is very, very important stuff. We got a big show for you today. Um, you know, big, big important shows. You know, one thing, uh, just to mention, of course, it's Christmas season which means in Paris town uh, area of Louisville on their, uh, their Christmas ice skating rink in Louisville will host and hosted its annual drag Queens on ice. That's right. Drag Queens on ice. This is, I guess their fourth annual. And what they do is they have these cross-dressing men show up and ice skate. Um, you know, one would, would say that that of course is, uh, is quite the interesting event. Nothing says Christmas like drag queens. Uh, and nothing really says Christmas quite like, um, well, of course, small children handing dollar dollar bills to cross-dressing men. Really, really nothing says Christmas like indoctrinating your kids into the strip club money for sexual performances mentality like you do early. And, and you'll see here an image I've thrown up. You've got a drag queen by the name of 
<laughs> Remember, guys, this isn't sexual. These are not sexual performers, you know, with names like Dusty Ray Bottoms. Dusty Ray Bottoms is the name of this drag queen we see here receiving those dollar dollar bills from a, a young child, probably as young as five or six years old. Um, very exciting, of course, for those children to get to engage in sex work, handing out those dollar bills in public, of course, there for everyone to see. A lot of kids watching those drag queens on ice. I know, I know it's the Christmas season. Nothing, nothing quite says Christmas celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, like six-year-old children handing dollar bills to sex workers. But you know, that's besides the point. Uh, that's what we have to look forward to, of course. Um, you've got a lot of other things going on today. The the Herald Leader came out and um, asked for money for you to donate to their newspaper. They claim that, well, they just, they, they need you to donate money. They're a for-profit enterprise, the Herald Leader newspaper out of Fayette County, for-profit. They make, they make money. They're owned by a corporation that owns other newspapers. But if they say, if you want to see better local reporting, well, you need to donate money so we can expand out our hiring staff so we can bring on more people. And their claim for why they need this, why you during this holiday season should take money out of your holiday fund, should not donate to perhaps those less fortunate so they can have a Christmas, not give to your local church. Of course, you should be donating to the Herald Leader because, well, they just they just need more money for that hard-hitting local reporting that they do. I mean, let's ignore the fact that literally most, um, not most, but probably 25% of the stories I bring you, bringing you these ideas, these, these thoughts come from the fact that I've read articles from Courier Journal or the Herald Leader, and I knew they didn't go deep enough. I know there's more of a story there. And so I go off and dig into it on my own and discover there's a much greater story that doesn't necessarily fit their narrative uh, that's important to cover. But th there's a few other things they could perhaps do as they lamented that uh, it's harder for them to bring in advertisers. That's why they want you to donate money to their for-profit company. And um, well, I'll, I'll go over what those things that they can do uh, after the break here. We're coming up on a, a ad break. So I thank you all for listening. Stay with us here in a few minutes. I'll go over what the Herald Leader can do so they don't have to be a beggar in the street asking for money. Well, I mean, they do, of course, they're reporting for the idea that uh, panhandlers are good. So maybe they should hop out on that street and panhandle themselves. So we'll have that after this break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky political news and commentary from a constitutional and conservative viewpoint. Remember, reach out to the show, info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you in a few, few short minutes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news from constitutional and conservative viewpoint. The only Monday through Friday daily show focused on Kentucky politics with that conservative event. Maybe the only 
actual full-on political daily show in the state that at all is reporting on some of these things. And what we see here, the Herald leaders just asking for donations, asking for your hard-earned money. Uh, we were talking about this before the break, saying, hey, look, if you want to see more local coverage, well, we have to, uh, you got to shell out some dough. Citing the fact, of course, that, well, their ad revenues have fallen in. And, and, you know, perhaps their ad revenues are falling because they've realized advertisers have and political candidates, because that's a big source of money, too. A lot of spending millions. I mean, remember, uh, uh, tens of millions of dollars spent in that governor's election alone every single election season. Advertising in that local newspaper used to be big, big money. But now you'll see, certainly during the primary times, not as much money being flowed into papers like the Herald Leader, like the Courier Journal, because they have such an obvious and liberal bent. First off, uh, you have one of the biggest mistakes I think they ever made was having their editorial boards issue endorsements during the elections. And you may remember I covered this uh, during the uh, elections with the constitutional officers, those longtime listeners of the show you may remember I talked about who they endorsed and why. And their editorial board will come out and say, we disagree with almost all conservatives. We disagree on the right to life. We disagree on the right to own firearms. We disagree on Trump. We disagree on all these things openly. And in their reporting, their bias shows through. About the only reporter they have that is somewhat unbiased is Austin Horn, political reporter. Their other political reporter can't help herself while she's writing, quote unquote, factual articles. She also writes op-eds where she's just full on exposing her complete and utter liberal bent. And knowing that it is mostly liberals reading that newspaper, conservatives just stopped advertising in it. Conservative products, as well as conservative candidates. Remember, most of the Republican constitutional officers didn't even show up for the editorial board's interview to receive their endorsement because they don't matter that much. And yet every single one of them won. Every single one of them won. That didn't show up. They won. And so it just goes to show that their reach, their influence doesn't matter they're out here doing things like, like unfairly reporting. Take, take even the Trump issues. Unfairly reporting, clearly reporting with a political bent. There's an honest way to report on Trump issues. And then there's a dishonest way. And, and demagoguing things that he says is racist or other things, things that the Herald Leader has done, is a big turnoff to readers. It is. And when you have 65% of Kentucky voters voting for Trump and you're a newspaper, well, guess what? You just cut yourself off from possibly 65% of the reading public at large in Kentucky. So don't make endorsements. And, and if you're going to keep your liberal reporters, maybe bring on a fully conservative opinion political reporter. More people would read what uh, uh, the Herald Leader has to say, would show some balance in reporting, and then maybe they wouldn't have to be out on the street corner, quote unquote. They're really just on Facebook and, of course, their paper constantly asking for more and more money, donations, just to keep a for-profit business running. Speaking of articles, Herald Leader, recently the Herald Leader uh, uh, ran an article where they're talking about how Lexington may become the next Kentucky city to ban the sale of cats and dogs in pet stores. And this is now a, a quote from the article here. Lexington fed urban county councilman Jennifer Reynolds, horrible liberal, anyways, Jennifer Reynolds put the issue into the council social services and public safety committee earlier this week. A date for a hearing on the topic has not yet been set. 
Reynolds said that she and other council members were contacted by various animal welfare groups about sponsoring a local ordinance. We have an overpopulation of stray animals, so it doesn't make sense to be selling them at a high price, Reynolds said. An ordinance has not yet been crafted, but Reynolds said it will not prohibit the sale of dogs from breeders. It'll only apply to pet stores. Sales of other types of pets at pet stores, such as lizards or fish, will still be allowed. Stores can also develop relationships with adoption organizations to adopt pets. Elizabethtown, Radcliffe, and Louisville have passed similar bans on pet stores selling cats and dogs. Louisville passed its ordinance in September, and the move is designed to crack down on puppy mills, which mass breeding animals, uh, often in deplorable conditions, according to animal welfare groups. There's little federal oversight on mass breeding operations. Many area humane society and animal shelters are currently at capacity and need people to adopt pets, said Megan Hawkins of the Lexington Humane Society, Kentucky's largest pet adoption agency. Dozens of pets arrive daily. The best humane society is a humane community, a community that values and respects animals, prioritizes the care and treatment of animals, and refuses to support the puppies for profit trade, which inhumanely exploits dogs and cats. Inhumanely supports the dogs and cats. We promote adoption as the best option for selecting a pet, not a commercial breeder, backyard breeder, online broker, auction, pet store, or flea market. Where there is demand for specific dog and cat, only re responsible breeders should be considered breeders who adhere to careful and purposeful breeding and placement practices. Now, for cats, you know, I understand, right? I mean, first, everybody hates cats, obviously. I'm joking, of course. Everybody hates cats. But cats, you know, one, I'm not even sure cats are domesticated. I know this has been a debate, I've read online at times whether or not cats are fully domesticated or not. Hate cats personally. Not a big cat person. I'm a dog person. I've had several dogs in my life. Grew up with dogs, obviously. Now, I will tell you something personally, right? I've, I've got a unique viewpoint on this topic. First, we grew up with hunting dogs, English setters. Uh, my dad actually uh, engaged in breeding out dogs to create a, a specific bloodline of English setters that fulfilled a specific purpose. And this is where it gets interesting with dogs. Because remember, dogs aren't just there for companions. Dogs also fulfill jobs for people, whether that is security or their tracking abilities, hunting, of course, um, you know, service animals, right? Helping people like the blind and others. And there are dogs breeds that are predispositioned to handle that, you know, obviously we were raising bird hunting dogs. So the pointers, of course, things like English setters, pointers, right? They were pre-bred. They're bred for that job. At the same time, me as an adult, I have never once paid for a dog. I own a dog right now. Her name's Luna. We call her Tuna. I've never paid for a dog because the dogs I have taken in have always been dogs no one else wants. They find them too difficult to deal with. And then I train them to be some of the best behaved dogs out there. And people will tell you time and time again that I have wonderful, well-dispositioned dogs. And I tell them, yeah, somebody gave me that dog because they couldn't handle her anymore or him, prior dogs, dogs rescued from, from uh, uh, dog fighting rings and other things. People are aghast. They're like, such a well-behaved dog because I grew up learning how to train dogs and continued 
on that path of learning how to break a, a badly behaved dog to make it a lovable pet. But at the same time, we have to recognize that dogs do perform jobs. And this demonization of people because they want a specific breed isn't very helpful. If you want to adopt, adopt a dog, of course. Don't abandon a dog out there, right? But at the same time, this, this line here really bothers me that this humane society said, where they said the best humane society is humane community, a community that values and respects animals and prioritizes the care and treatment of animals and refuses to support puppies for profit trade. Well, look, there's a lot of cost that goes into this. Some of these people do make career by breeding very specific dogs. And I understand those uh, breeders exist. Now, poppy mills aren't a great thing. I'm not going to pretend it is. Not going to pretend it is. And people should generally adopt. But I do think dogs have a purpose outside of pets, outside of just pets. And sitting there and saying, we're not going to allow you to sell pets anymore as a pet store is kind of ridiculous. I mean, you've got, you want to call something out, call out dog shows where you have to have AKC paperwork and, and, and perfectly bred. You can't have mutts and everything else in there. Right. But then also at the same time you breed for bloodlines or for specific jobs. You know, right now I personally kind of interested in getting a squirrel hunting dog. I can't adopt a squirrel hunting dog, generally speaking, because one, they have to be predispositioned for that job. Two, you got to get them before they turn one, one and a half years old. You got to get them while they're still a puppy. So they imprint on the squirrel so you can properly train them to be good squirrel hunting dogs. And that takes time. That takes time. And of course, that is not something I expect the Humane Society to understand. That is not something I expect a bunch of liberals on city council to understand. To understand that people don't just look at dogs as pets, that dogs function is something else. And I, I don't under, I, I don't expect liberals to understand that because of course, uh, a lot of these liberals uh, call themselves fur, fur moms and things. And I, I'm not here to really attack those who call, who say they have fur babies, but uh, they're nothing like children. You don't have children. When somebody asks, do you have kids? And you say, oh, I've got some fur babies. You don't have fur babies. You have pets. Okay. They're not kids. All right. That annoys me as somebody who has a kids and, and pets. Um, they're, they're, they're not, they're not comparable. Okay. Uh, one's a human that you have to teach to read, write, and live life in such a way that doesn't destroy society. And one's a dog. Okay. So let's not get carried away here on that topic. But my point is simply this, this, this demonization, I, I don't like it because like I said, dogs serve a job and you know, liberals don't have a lot going on in their life. So a lot of times they do imprint on their pets because they don't have kids or they don't value those types of things. They, they, they almost hate humanity in general. So it makes sense, of course, uh, that they would say that we need to prioritize animals before ourselves almost in such a way. Now, like I said, don't beat up on dogs. Don't be mean to dogs. Love dogs. Anybody who's a, who's, who's an abuser of animals, you're a piece of crap. And, uh, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't be allowed to own animals. So that goes without saying, well, coming up after this, we'll be talking about the sixth congressional district, Annie bar baby, making a move to Senator here in a few years. We'll be talking about that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperator show, your source for Kentucky politics. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperator show, your source for Kentucky politics. Of course, um, your, your, your number one source, really 
for if you want to know what's going on with conservative news in Kentucky. And on that subject of conservative news, staying on top of things, it's not a big secret that here in three years, Mitch McConnell's term is up. And while maybe perhaps it might be possible the old man runs again, I don't think it is likely. Um, he's get, certainly getting up there in age. Uh, you know, generally speaking, I don't think we should have senators that were around when fire was invented. Um, you know, I don't know whether the invention of the wheel or fire was the greatest invention of Mitch McConnell's lifetime. Uh, but generally speaking, I, I, I don't think having somebody as old as McConnell in office is a great idea. Um, of course, uh, especially too, when they know they're in their last term, they're waning in age. Uh, they start to get a little more wily okay, in what they support because they're not as worried about the voters because they really don't care what the voters think. Uh, and nothing is more dangerous than a person in leadership, which, you know, it, it looks like here in the 2024 elections, the Senate will be retaken by Republicans. And with that in mind, it also looks possible and likely that Mitch McConnell returns as majority leader. And, and I can't think of anything worse than for two years to have a majority leader that isn't worried about running for reelection um, in the Senate. That sounds absolutely awful. And I wish the senators up there would go ahead and replace McConnell with somebody else. But anyways, it's not a great secret that McConnell is certainly on his way out. And obviously, conversation looms about who will go ahead and make the run for it. And those involved in political circles will agree that one name that we've heard a lot about making that run for senator would be Andy Barr. And that, of course, would free up the 6th Congressional District as an open seat. You'll see a lot of Republicans running for that. We may talk about that at a different date. But I do want to focus here as we're looking forward to 2026 on whether or not Barr should be elected. I mean, let's see here. He does support, of course, the, the war in Ukraine. Um he does, he's taken some interesting standpoints on things. And by interesting, I mean, not very conservative. He's certainly not a stalwart conservative in Congress. Now, some would say, well, you know, and I've heard this defense of him before is that, well, he, he's in a, a district that Republicans could lose, right? We've seen it get close before. I mean, McGrath dumping a lot of money. And because of that, he's, he's got to vote in a certain way. Somebody voting like the way Andy Barr does, more liberal, more moderate, is what we need in order to hold on to that sixth congressional seat. And so that that's the reason why he wasn't very conservative. And he doesn't take a standpoint that people would generally agree with on most items in the conservative base, but that's okay. And, 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 and look, I know to a lot of you, this is news. And I, if I had more time, I could go through Andy Barr's entire voting record to point out and make my argument for me. But the number one reason that you can look at when you think of, is this guy conservative or not? Let me ask you this. Do you agree with what Congress is doing or not right now? Do you agree with the greater spending? Because we have some real issues, okay? We've got some really big issues here in this country and issues that have gotten worse under people like Andy Barr's watch. So when you see how bad things are getting and then you look at it and say, you know who I don't hear about a lot? You know who nationally you don't hear about whose name you don't hear anybody talking about Andy Barr. You hear people talking about Comer, of course. You hear people talking about Massey. 
and the things he's doing up there. He's 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 talked about all the time on on national podcasts, things like that. I I probably hear a national show or podcast mention Thomas Massey at least once every week to two weeks. I never hear any bar's name mentioned at all because he is just kind of a a central run of the mill moderate Republican who's never taken a risky stance in his life. So if you agree with what Congress has been doing, Republican Congress has been doing, then electing somebody like Andy Barr to the Senate is a good move. But if you disagree, you have to recognize that Andy Barr is a part of the problem there. You have to. I know a lot of people like him. He's a very nice, likable guy. But at the same time, this is an important thing for you to recognize. You know, Thomas Massey in, in his speeches and talks, and if you talk to him independently, will articulate a stat in which the average con Congress has an approval rating of maybe 30% or lower. That's like their average oftentimes approval rating. However, individual Congress people within their own districts enjoy an average approval rating between 60 to 70%. You see, you disagree with what Congress is doing but everybody tends to say, but I like my guy, not realizing that your guy is most likely part of the problem if you see people not taking issue with him. If you see the establishment Republicans liking him, if you see nobody ever calling him out, if you don't see people getting blustering mad, if, if, if you don't see those run-of-the-mill establishment talking heads and types saying things like they say about people like Thomas Massey, Oh, he's part of the problem. He's not part of the solution if you don't like what Congress is doing. And what is Congress doing? What, what, what is it that we have to deal with? You know, I, I think this is important. This is the big problem of our era. This is the biggest issue. And true conservatism could help deal with this, could help us fix this. But we lack the chutzpah, we lack the gumption and the spine in most of our Republicans to get this done. And I believe it will destroy our nation. And that is our massive, massive amounts of debt. And I don't think people quite realize why this is such a big issue. Okay. So here's the real problem we have. So according to the M2 money supply, which the M2 money supply is basically the amount of money being held uh, in bank accounts, mutual funds, stocks, everything like in the world. So like dollar, dollar bills uh, uh, that actually exist in accounts, okay? That doesn't count, of course, currency that just you and I hold in our wallet or anything else. So according to the M2 money supply right now, the total amount of US dollars in circulation is $21.2 trillion, $21.2 trillion. And then most sources will say it actual cash possibly out there in circulation in people's pockets, things like that, at the most is $2.2 trillion. At the most. That's hard cash. At the most. That, that, like I said, that doesn't guarantee that there's that amount out there. But let's say it's $2.2 trillion. So that puts us at about 24, let's just say $25 trillion in money that exists, in U.S. dollars that exists. The U.S. debt is $33 trillion. $33 trillion is how much debt the U.S. government has. In other words, the U.S. government could confiscate every single dollar that exists, U.S. dollar that exists in the entire world, 
then would still owe about 10 trillion more in debt. You know, and it's funny to hear Democrats talk about taxation, tax the rich and everything else. There isn't enough money. It doesn't exist. It physically doesn't exist. This is almost by design when it comes to this type of fiat currency, when it comes into the way, how do we fix this? What do we need to do? Well, you need to understand how we got into this position. How is it possible the U.S. government owes more in debt than U.S. dollars exist? Because, I mean, by definition, there is no way then to pay it off. Maybe that's part of the reason why a lot of these Republicans, so-called Republicans that say they believe in lower government spending and fiscal responsibility, people like Andy Barr, struggle to take action because, you know, please explain to me how it's fiscally responsible for us to be 10 trillion more in debt than money exists in the U.S. government. It, please explain that one to me. That, that makes no fiscal sense at all. That's not conservative. They don't really want to do what they need to do to fix that. There is something they could do. We'll go more into this, how this happened, what they can do to fix it after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news. We'll see you back here soon. If you want to reach out to the show, remember, just email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you back here in just a few, few short minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Cooper Ryder Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Available right here on WZXI, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., 1 o'clock everywhere else, all major podcasting platforms, as well as Rumble, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. You know, if you miss a show, never fear. You can always visit theandrewshow.com to catch up there on any episodes you may have missed. And I encourage you, stick up with the show. Follow the news. So for the break, we we're talking about the fact that, you know, it is widely seen that Andy Barr will run for the Senate in 2026 when Mitch McConnell uh, might finally decide to, to return to um, wherever it is he came from. And <laughs> we're discussing whether or not Andy Barr is even a good congressman to begin with, right? Um, and there's some discussion to be had on that and, and, and going into his record and everything else. Something I'll probably do as we get closer to 2026 as he officially declares to run. But what we were discussing was what we need from conservatives right now. And we were pointing out the fact that according to the M2 money supply, the current amount of dollars that just exists, period, is about mm, on the high side, $25 trillion. And But yet the U.S. government owes $33 trillion in debt, almost 10 trillion more than money exists, US dollars exist. So, so how this happened? Well, it goes into fiat currency. You see, we left the gold standard and then the Fed moved to what's a fiat currency. Now people talk about the government printing dollars, but understand the government itself doesn't actually print dollars. The Fed is who issues the dollars and they don't often just print money because just outright printing money causes massive and high inflation. So instead, what they do is they issue, quote unquote, loans through the use of, of things like bonds and, and stuff to issue the money back. So what happens is the U.S. government says we need six trillion dollars and then a bond is sold. And then once the bond is sold, the Fed goes ahead and prints the money. 
that's in order to tamp down inflation. Somebody purchased that bond and then prints the funds. The problem is, of course, is, is, is to scale this down how we got to this point. Imagine you need to borrow $100. So you go to, you're not going to the bank. Keep in mind, you're going to the Fed, the people who create the money. And you say, I need to borrow 100 bucks. And they say, okay, fine. You can borrow this 100 and then in 10 years, you will owe us $130. And you say, okay, that's great. And then they print that $100. And you say, okay, I'll be paying you back. I'll pay interest over time. And then at the end of this, I'll pay you your $130. Now, now pretend this is one transaction, right? I'm trying to distill this down. So you go to the people who print the money. They say, we'll loan, loan you hundred bucks for 130. But if all they ever printed was that hundred bucks, how are you going to pay them back 130? They're the ones who print the dollars. They're the ones who issue the currency. And until you go back to them asking for another loan, the $30 you need to pay the interest does not exist. It is physically impossible for you to pay back your debt. In other words, it is physically impossible. The U.S. government has, has decided to forego things like selling bonds, what they did to fund World War I, World War II, they decide to forego a gold standard and instead move to a fiat currency. And because of that, we are now in a position where we owe $10 trillion more trillion as the U.S. government than exists. So this is why congressmen like Andy Barr may sit there and call themselves fiscal conservatives, but they don't look at this problem as what it is. I mean, keep in mind, here soon... Our U.S. debt payments will be $1 trillion a year. There literally is not enough money to pay this. Despite that, you see people like Amy Barr and other congressmen having no problems going ahead and continuing to borrow money to fund things like the Ukraine war. This is why we have such a problem with these foreign entanglements. I, I, I love to hear when Mike Pence and others will claim that, well, the U.S. government's big. We're big enough. We can do both. We can secure our borders, take care of our people, and fund wars in Ukraine. And respectfully, you're wrong. Respectfully, you're insane. We are more in debt than money exists. We are broke. We don't have it period we don't have it it doesn't exist and until we audit and abolish the fed something that you know ron paul ran on pushed forward while he was a republican congressman ron paul ran paul's dad until we audit and abolish the fed this problem will get worse and worse. And the types of conservatives and Republicans we need, if we're going to dig ourselves out of this hole, are individuals that can sit there and say, this is a big problem. It will destroy our country, possibly in our lifetimes. And we need to get it under control. The whole reason why we have to run these wars and do all these things is because we need the U.S. dollar to be the dominant currency in the world. And the minute it's not, our economy will come tumbling down, absolutely tumbling down. 
And they don't want to say that out loud because then they have to admit that they have been lying to us all along. They can't solve all of our problems because they created them and they need to fix them by doing the hard things. We can't continue funding a welfare state. We can't continue funding wars overseas. We All we can do is the bare basics of things like securing our borders and paying back our debt because that's what we have money for. And these states have to learn to stand on their own. These places have to. It's hard. These are hard things to say. But electing another do-nothing senator, I don't think that does us much good. I don't think it does at all. And then you also have the concern. So you see any bar running for Senate, that opens up the 6th Congressional District for people to run in. Who's going to run for it? You could see some strong conservatives in the area running for it. But a lot of the people I'm hearing floated around are just as bad and don't recognize the position we're in. They are whistling past the graveyard. We saw this with the Mac Brown interview yesterday. Their viewpoints do not demonstrate. They understand the state our culture and our country is in. Our state is in. They don't get it. They don't comprehend it. And they continue to push forward these absolutely insane ideas. And then they continue to allow the liberal push to march on the destruction of our culture and our economy because it's just not the stuff they want to be doing. They're worried about their own reelections. They're worried about holding on to power. You see, I, I think that's something our founders never really envisioned. See, it used to be running, being a congressman, being a senator was a quote unquote public service. It actually costed those people more money to do that, to be in Congress, to be in Senate, than they made in quote-unquote stipend or per diem pay for traveling to go do the acts of Congress. It used to be more costly. And when our founders put together our system, that was kind of the idea, was that it would only be those who, who have a real ties to their communities that would make the sacrifice away from their businesses and their enterprise to do the business of government. But then the federal government began to grow. We started having a full standing army. We started having things like uh, government departments. And the more government oversaw, well, the bigger the job of being a congressman and senator became, the more money they had to be paid. But on top of that, the more government oversaw, the more money there was to be made in politics. And the richest counties in the country are just outside DC. Just outside DC, where all these government dollars, these trillions are being controlled and handed out and people are getting paid to do it. And I've just got to be honest, when it comes to these elected positions federally, when it comes to these election positions in the state, it is time we do get a little bit radical and start recognizing that these people currently hold, holding office, a lot of them, there are some good ones, don't get me wrong. And you can tell who the good ones are by the fact that the majority of their colleagues hate them. Because, of course, the majority of their colleagues are marching us on on this position. And so it's, it's just a fact. You may like these people. They may be your friends. You may have personally enjoyed them. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they are most likely a part of the problem. Well, y'all, that's what we have time for today on the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. 
We'll be back here tomorrow. Uh, remember, reach out to the show, info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. I hope everybody has a great rest of their Tuesday.